Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'd say Lombard is probably the most photographed street in America. Everyone goes to San Francisco and takes a picture of that street. I don't think they do anymore. Maybe they still do. Really? Oh, the plane. You're bringing the, the yokel, man. You were bringing the yokel so hard. You're like, when I come from Asheville, I see the twisty street. And I'm like, hold your phone. Get it out, honey. <laughs> I have to take a picture home of this thing. It's all hilly with a big twist. <laughs> 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Fellas, what is happening? It is, uh, it is Memphis town. We are going to go. Yes! It is, it is Memphis and other parts of Tennessee. Since we covered Ash- Nashville... We got. We got to cover. That's not what we agreed to. You're, we got to say. There's a it Chattanooga choo-choo waiting for us to to, to mention it. Uh, Jeff Simons, how are you in Berkeley? Uh fine. I'm fine. I am completely overwhelmed and stressed out from work today, so I need this. But uh, okay. for the purposes of this podcast, I am fine. Oh, boy, uh, Ben Barton, did you get all that grading done in Knoxville? I got all of the grading done. Nice. So uh, very pleased with that. Gave back the exams. So now I have nothing but meetings with people wanting to talk about the exams. So oh, okay. Good, good stuff there. Uh, welcome to 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys on the Electrocast Podcast Network. Here in Season 3, we are on a musical road trip. And we've just done, the, what is it, a three-hour trip across Tennessee to Memphis? How oh. far is it? Oh, What's from, it take? from from Nashville, it's about it's two and a half, three, depending on how fast you go. And okay. from Knoxville to Nashville is another two and a half, three. But it's okay. far. It's that'll be something that I cover. Is that Memphis is far from like East Tennessee and West Tennessee are far apart. Yeah, two different states almost. It's like uh, SF to LA in terms of drive time. Yeah, yeah no, you, you can drive to Chicago or Memphis in about the same amount of time from Knoxville. Oh, that's insane, that? huh? Uh, all right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, uh, real quick off the top, a shout out to the robot lady. My lovely wife pulled off an amazing, amazing surprise. Uh, she took me out to dinner in Asheville, North Carolina, and then three gentlemen, and I use that word loosely, from Boston sat down. My my three best friends from back home sat down uh, and whisked me away for the weekend. Unbelievable. That's awesome, Timmy. I love it. Yeah. Really great. What were you guys up to? We uh we played some golf. 
played a lot of uh, shuffleboard, a lot of spades. Um, we we did imbibe a little bit, and we brainstormed about this show. And there may be a new segment coming up, not this week, but the next week. We'll see what you guys that think. That segment is called Ben and Jeff are replaced by Tim's other friends. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> you're, gonna, you're telling us this on the air? Was your, a new ben, segment. Tim, was your trip, which of the three movies I'm going to name was your trip most like? Was it okay. most like Deliverance or Stand By Me or Caddyshack 2? It was Caddyshack too. Yeah, okay. there's right. there. there well, I was no going death. with the bachelor party for sure. Um, bachelor party and the spice of the Tom day. Tom Hanks most underrated moment. All <laughs> right. Well, here we are arriving in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, the busiest cargo airport in the world. There at Memphis, and uh, this is the song we've got playing as we arrive. Boom, boom. tired but everything is fried here in memphis uh jeff simons have you been to memphis tennessee i have been to memphis tennessee how many times just once okay ben barton i have been multiple times i have a great a great one when i went as a college kid right after graduation and then i've been there as a professional and then i've been there with my family all right i have a lot of good things to say about memphis tennessee i do too i think it's terrific uh I, i went as a young adult uh, went to Beale Street, went to clubs, heard some music. It was great. But then uh, going with the kids, driving cross country. And the, the thing that kills me underneath the bridge, crossing the Mississippi River, they have a model of the Mississippi River. And you can walk along this, you know, much smaller scale Mississippi River all the way from where it begins to where it ends. And the water in the model is the Mississippi River. Oh, it's very meta, Tim. I like it's it. So meta, so great. Yeah, that was like invented for a plain family vacation. <laughs> that little stuff right there. That it has learning. <laughs> it has meta. It it's cute. It's perfect. Good. Yeah, good times. Uh, Jeff, when did you go to Memphis? I can't even remember. It was one like uh, one of my many treks across the country. Okay, okay. I need to go back. I, it's, it was an, it was. Uh, I went because I wanted to go, and I think well, it was by myself when I drove across. One of those uh, like early summers where I had nothing to do, so I just drove myself across the country back yeah. to see. Well, well, I doing jumping into the research. It's uh, I was once again overwhelmed. It's like, oh, this is this is just like Nashville. There are so many acts to cover, uh, and for the compilation torture basement, 
so many songs oh, yeah. that Rich mention Memphis. We're in big trouble. Holy smokes. Yeah, we're, we're not going to do well tonight. I, I, um, I'm noticing that the one I was counting on being in there as a gimme was the flying song. So we're already yeah. one down. Yeah, That's you a are. Timmy classic, by the way. The one that he knows will know. He just yoinks right away. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, Memphis is called the home of the blues. Any beef with that claim? Or, or are you guys giving Memphis the home of the blues? Because Chicago would have a claim, would oh, they not? Memphis is better off than Chicago is. But I mean, okay. it's basically so the Delta Blues um, are, is not a city music. Um, right. So not, so you could just choose Mississippi generally. Okay. Uh, but yeah, if you're going to choose a single metro area to draw it in. It's Memphis has got a good claim. New Orleans has a decent claim. Um, but, you know, basically the it's uh, kind of a joke, but also descriptive. They say Memphis is the biggest city in Mississippi. And it kind of is like it's yeah. kind of the capital of that entire region. Yeah, oh, that's really neat. Neat way to look at it. Uh, is it also the birthplace of rock and roll? Eh. That's tight. Del- Delta 88 is recorded there, no? Or was it Rocket 88? I thought that was from St. Louis. Is that from Memphis? I might be wrong about that. Wait, I don't rock- think it's a birthplace of rock and roll. You could, I mean, anybody can name it. That's fine. But uh, course, it's all I- happening all around. It's happening in so many different places all at the same time, you know? I messed up. Rocket 88 is the song. Uh, my buddy Jay, when we were in high school, had a Delta 88. So I was gonna, I was you can see wait. how it's confused. Gonna, so yes. close. So close. Are you still recovering from your weekend? Is that what's uh, going on? Right. A little fuzzy? Just a little, a little bit. I've been in that. Bit. I've been with that cohort. It almost killed me the one time yeah. I tried to stay toe-to-toe with you guys. So I know what you, I know what you were up against. Ben, Jeff began writing a letter as he got into bed, reciting the letter out loud. Dear Budweiser, your product is poison. I wish you after my 17th Bud Light, I gave in, and these guys were like, What are we supposed to finish this whole case by ourselves? (laughs) All right, gentlemen. Uh, Beale Street is in Memphis. I'm going to argue that that is one of the top five most famous streets in America. Let's go back and forth playing categories, famous streets in America, and then we'll put Beale Street in its proper place. Go ahead, famous street. Uh, Jeff, you go Broadway, first. Broadway, New York City. Broadway, New York Wall City, Street. Ben. Wall, Wall Street, Street, New York City. Back to Ben. Sunset Boulevard, Los Angeles. Oh. Uh, Pennsylvania Avenue, Washington, D.C. Good. You guys are good. Miracle yeah. Mile in Chicago. Excellent. Oh, that was good. Uh, I'll go with Melrose Avenue in Los Angeles. Okay. And uh, this is a tight one, and they'll be mad at me in Memphis, but Bourbon Street in New Orleans is actually a more famous strip of nightclubs even than the strip of nightclubs on Beale Street. Yeah, I have to agree. <sighs> it's probably right. Probably right. Good one. Jeff, are you out? Uh, There's a pretty famous street in San Francisco. Yeah, which one do you think it is? Market or Lombard? Uh, Lombard? Uh, yeah, but that's so annoying. And Ashbury are streets, right? Couldn't I mean, is that... You yeah, but that? the corner is what's famous. I guess Hate Street. Yeah. I, I feel Street probably wins, like, is uh, a little ahead on that one. I'd say Lombard is probably the most photographed street in America. Everyone goes to San Francisco and takes a picture of that street. I don't think they do anymore. Maybe they still do. Really? Oh, the plane. You're bringing the, the yokel, man. You were bringing the yokel so hard. You're like, when I come from Asheville, I see the <laughs> twisty street. And I'm like, hold your phone, get it out. 
out, honey. <laughs> I have to take a picture <laughs> home of this thing. It's all hilly with a big twist. <laughs> oh, San Francisco. Beale Street's wow. top 10, then. That's I think, it I, think it, I think it's top five. I'm throwing that out there. I'll stick with it. All right. Um, let's get to our FedEx questions of the day. Where did FedEx begin? We know it's headquartered in Memphis, Tennessee, and I'll give you three choices. Did it begin in Little Rock, in Birmingham, or in Louisville? No clue. Help us. Yeah, no idea. I mean, there are three guesses. Three guesses. You can just throw a dart. Thank you. Little Rock. I'll say Louisville. And Ben Barton, you get a win. Just like that. Damn, how about that, Jeff? Put that in your point. I knew that one. You see how good I was? Just for trying. (laughs) He's getting points. All right. Once again, three choices. When did FedEx begin? 1958, 1964, or 1971? 1971. I'll take the 64. Jeff is correct. That's Here's a good one. Like that's, a, that's, a pre-moon, that's not a pre-moon landing company, I don't think. I thought you were going to lord it over Ben like he did to you. You're so much nicer. Uh, you're so used to winning. I mean, it's not it's, <laughs> it's like a big brother, little brother thing. Exactly. Like if I'm like Purdue to Ben's Farley Dickinson University. Oh, no, he's the to- or he's the Yankees to- and I'm the Mets. He just he doesn't even <laughs> notice that I'm around. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, we got to uh, end our podcast tonight with a little uh, NCAA talk. Uh, that'll be the end. But right now, we got to get to the torture basement. Jeff Simons, I'm okay. going uh, to ask for you guys to guess 10 out of 15 tonight. There oh, are 15, that's, a, that's generous. 15 clips. You come up with the names of 10 of the artists. Oh, God. All right, you, here we go. You, you might be in trouble. I, I, I have no doubt. Here we go. You ready, buddy? Let's do this. If you love somebody enough, I know that you'll one. follow wherever they go. That's how I got to Memphis.
Oh, whoa, that's oh a that's God. a rough one in the torture that's basement. A that is a bloodbath. Let's take a, a quick break for an ad as they listen to it one more time. The last train to Memphis. That's the last song here in the torture basement where I did let you off. I came in hard, but those last five, I think you got. So that should have given you a lot of familiar sounds. A little little boost there at the end. Um, All right. Who wants to uh, offer their first guesses? Go back Uh, and forth. The first song is Tom T. Hall. That's how I got to Memphis. That is correct. Tom T. Hall. Damn, Jeff. Damn. I love that song. That was a I good knew. start. That's a good um, song. That second voice is so familiar. <laughs> and I have two guesses. Can I can I can I Wait, do one guess and then the other guess? Ben, Ben, do you feel it's familiar as well? Number two? Uh, um, I have a guess, but I'm gonna let Jeff go first. His oh, guess okay. Well, can we talk it through? I think it's either Vicky Lawrence or Bette Midler. Who did you think it was? Oh, I thought it was an African American. I thought it was Aretha. I think it's Vicky Lawrence or Bette Midler. Go ahead with Bette Midler then. That's fine. We're going with Bette Midler. Old Fred Bette Midler. Yeah. Yes. Is that wow. from the is yeah. that from the movie? Where is that from the Rose? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. It's from a live album of some sort, but that is Bette Midler indeed. That was some get right there. That was <laughs> some get right there. You may remember the third, her from and season the third one, one. X. The third one's X, right? No. Any guesses oh, for the third one, Ben? Nothing. This one was the impossible one. This is Lisa Marie Presley. Ah, yes. Okay. Well, then I'll be okay <laughs> when I think that. It had that kind of fourths and fifths thing that John Doe and Exine do. I thought it was maybe some X song I didn't know. I think they were just. Um, I have no idea voice. who the finger picker is. Is it Gene Vincent, number four? No, Ben. Any guesses on number four? No. That's idea. A, uh, Charlie Sexton. Oh, really? Yeah. You've gotten that. Then we got the country song, My Whole World's to Something Something. Blue Eyed Girl in Memphis. I'm going to guess Johnny Cash. Yeah, good guess. It is Conway Twitty. Conway Twitty, nice. Hold and on, I think Mem- I got the next one. You got Memphis in June? Talk to me. I think, I'm pretty sure that's Nina Simone. That is correct. Nina Simone. Yes, the man! Excellent. I have no idea what one too many drinks ended up at the embassy is, but that is... <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> what is that? Your boy Kanye West has a hand in that, Ben Barton. But that oh, is it's the guy, it's the it, um the the Ray Charles, Jamie it's Fox. Jamie Fox. Jamie Foxx and Kanye West putting out an album together. Um that's a great, great line. Not give that one. No, not giving that to you. Uh, the right. next one is Elvis. Great. And how could you do the Elvis one and not the Chuck Berry one? Like this is because, because I wasn't gonna do Elvis for the favorite son. So I'm like, oh, I got to get him in here, but now I've I've switched. You, you, you bullied me. Uh, anyways, uh, the Chuck Berry one was originally uh, on my list. Look, you can even see it on the news. Never mind. All right, next. Uh, this next one is horrible, though. You got to move to Memphis. I have no idea. I mean, I have no idea. <laughs> that was aha. <laughs> oh my god, they have another song. <laughs> I didn't know that either. They're uh, Swedish, right? They are. Yeah. They they got to move to Memphis though. So some some others they were like, get out the map and choose a funny <laughs> sounding town. 
Yeah. <laughs> they're like, how about St. Louis? They're like, too long. That's two words. We can't we have, use that. We, and they're suing this all in Swedish. They're like, no, not okay. I mean, it's like, how about Memphis? Four. Is that correct? We have four. Uh, right? We got more than four, don't we? You have four correct. You got to go on a I little bit. run of, the table. You got to run the table. Do you oh want to skip God. this one and come back to it? No. Is this the can't go back to Memphis? Yeah. Okay, I don't it, have any. There's idea a stray cat song that's right in here. It that's, is the stray cat. That's what I thought it was. That's what I thought Holy it was. Shit. Ben Bart. Well, oh man. All right. I wasn't you sure know. if it was stray cats or Brian Setzer. I love you guys it. Might have it now. Okay, then we got Dylan stuck inside a mobile. Then yeah. Lucinda Williams. Williams. Yep. Then Mark yep. Cohn walking in Memphis. Then Joe Jackson's oh. Memphis. And is it NRBQ doing hockey talk piano at the end, or is it somebody else? Oh, wait, I thought maybe it was Rufus Thomas. <laughs> Go with Rufus I, Thomas. Then. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And you chunk it on the last one. That is the band taking the last train to Memphis. God, I don't recognize that at all. That's embarrassing, though. We should have gotten that. Wow. Nine out of ten is not bad for that. That was really hard. That was some heat, Timmy, but I like your style. <laughs> that uh, was heat. Yeah, if you can find a compilation that has Aha and Lisa Marie Presley and Jamie Foxx, you got to take it. You got to take it. I'm proud of that nine. That was a like, <laughs> that was a 16, 16 seed nine right there. Bringing it in. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we're going to hit the uh, the favorite son or daughter song. I originally had in here uh, oh, a little, a little John of Cash, but maybe he'll be pushed to later. And instead, Elvis Presley is our guy, correct? Okay, sorry. Nope. Yes, my uh, my browser just closed. So, talks amongst yourselves while I pull up this wonderful well, Elvis Presley song. For ben Barton, why do I dislike Elvis Presley and so many people adore him? That's a really you're supposed to be the voice of the people. You don't like Elvis? I know. Isn't that strange? Let's yeah. just but, listen a little bit and then we'll come back. But to do this. you like Elvis? Yeah. Oh, oh, I thought you were supposed to be the snob. We're caught in a trap. I can't walk out because I love you too much, baby. Why can't you see what you do? I mean, so um, there there are reasons not to like Elvis. Um, he definitely like stole black music, and not a little bit, like a lot. Okay, um, a lot of it. He also, he he didn't write a lot of the stuff, and he was kind of a little bit of a front man, self creation. All of that being said, it's fucking awesome, fucking awesome. Like uh, the Elvis greatest hits, like it's just one banger after another, one two and a half minute, just fantastic song. I took the girls to go see the Elvis biopic. Yeah, what'd you think? It was so livid. I was so mad. 
this so there's a half an hour or so of him growing up which in poverty which is interesting um then there's a half an hour where he's muhammad ali and michael jordan he's the biggest star in the world okay and they just blow through that in 25 minutes and then they're like <laughs> here's an hour and 20 minutes of a fat guy taking drugs in vegas i'm like what are we doing here that's like, really unfair. That is really what, not right. What part of this story is more interesting to you? Like, I understand that the dramatic part of it is like the fall into dying. Yeah, sure. But help but... a brother out. Yeah. The girls were like, I don't even know why people like him. I was like, that's because you didn't help at all with that. <laughs> that's yeah, right. I mean, I don't that's love Elvis. The thing, I, the thing I find um, hilarious about Elvis is he would sing anything you put in front of him. Like, I mean, literally, there are recordings of Elvis where, like, how on earth did he not get 20 seconds into this? Like, fellas, fellas. We're not gonna <laughs> I have this record called Elvis's Greatest Shit. That's a bootleg <laughs> of 30 most unforgivable Elvis performances of all time. And they're <laughs> unbelievable. They are racist. They're deplorable. They're unbelievably funny and bad. Like, Old McDonald. He sings Old McDonald Had a Farm with, like, a full horn section. And it's a oh joke. Oh my like, god! Those ducks gone out of line. Hamburgers medium rare, like that. Like, <laughs> oh, McDonald like cooks all the animals that misbehave on his farm. And there's literally a moment where he's going like, "I don't ain't going there. I don't ain't going there." I mean, it's just like so. There's just no quality control at all. They're just like shoving product down people's throats. But the highs are invent a whole subculture. Like without Elvis Presley, there's no. There's no youth revolution in the United States and consequently no youth resolution revolution on planet Earth. Like and and that's that's incredible. Really? You're you're saying more so than the Beatles? Yes, there are no Beatles without Elvis Presley. Without Elvis Presley, the Beatles are singing like skiffle songs on the Liverpool docks and then getting jobs. I do love no those skiffle songs. I do wow. And yeah. and 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 Bob Dylan's relationship to Elvis Presley. Oh, there's no Bob Dylan with Elvis Presley. No chance. There's no nothing. There's not. There's not the. I mean, Elvis is like the first Technicolor star. Like he's because he's uh, he's not in control. That's the whole point. Like when he's doing the Louisiana Hayride and he's and he's dancing back and forth. Like the the lack of control is the whole point. Like every other star up to that point is like. Is is muted, measured, and polished, and, and, and every other white like, star. Every white, every star. other white. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. With the caveat yeah. that of course, no, yeah, no I know, but I mean, like yeah. when Little Richard's around, you can't be saying Elvis is the only one out there. But Little Richard is still a niche artist. Like Little Richard's not on national television until no, no. Elvis oh. is on national television, right? I yeah. agree. But I that, mean, but that, that's the that's the that's the duality of it, though. Is it's like oh, I know. Elvis, it's yeah. we were just talking about it with the Delta. Like, I mean, there's no Elvis Presley. That without the life and poverty that allows them to understand how to sing other people's music. Yeah, I mean, totally. the thing that's remarkable about Elvis is like, he doesn't sound like Pat Boone when he sings the blues. He sounds like he belongs in that space. And it's it's a crucial hybrid moment. We're going to talk about hybrid in a moment. One of the great hybrid stories of American music is coming up in the next segment. And you don't have that without Elvis creating a, an authentic white voice in a, in a black vernacular. Okay. You know? So, so my next segment, I'm going to scrap because your next segment is going to cover sun city stacks records to a certain extent. Yes. So, sure. So you don't have to explain it now. Cause you're going to explain it when you do your pick is what you're saying. Okay. All right. Awesome. And let's just go straight to our three songs or events. 
or albums or artists? Jeff, you're gonna do I'm it first. Gonna, or you want to I'm gonna go first because I think I'm setting the table for the rest of you to do all the stuff. All right. So, um, when I graduated from college, I uh, I was I really didn't have anywhere to go because I didn't um, I didn't have a job waiting at home and I didn't have a job yet. So I my plan was to drive around and visit as many people as I could, um, and hopefully figure out a job. Um, along the way, which is exactly what happened, which is lucky because I did not have a plan B. Um, but while in preparation for the drive, this is the days of the disc man. And uh, so you had your little CD sleeves. Shout out to the disc man. Um, it, it was also the height of the CD box set, um, which is now kind of a relic. But um, around 89, 90, 91, any artist with any kind of back catalog was getting this big lavish box set, usually four discs or sometimes five. And it would start with like early demos when they were called like the squirgly dergs before they had a name. And then there would be some demos and then the early hits. And then the, you know, discs two and three would be the height. And then disc four was usually fall off the table, like the new stuff, or here's some solo stuff after they broke up, or here's the post rehab song. But they were, they were a thing. And the one I really wanted was this nine disc, ridiculously huge. Like it weighed like a city bus. And it was the complete Stax Volt singles from 1959 to 1968. It came in this big black box and I just bought it. I was like, I'm going to be, I'm going to spend the whole summer driving around. I'm going to listen to this whole damn thing. And I did. I listened to, I spent three months essentially listening to all of the stacks, A sides and B sides. Um, stacks is a little studio in Memphis. It was a record store, and in the back there was a recording studio. And um, this nine disc box set had something like three hundred songs on it, and it was the one hundred and fifty singles that Stacks had put out in chronological order. A shocking amount of which charted. Um, and what's amazing about it is it was kind of like. I mean, my understanding of it that summer, I came to understand it as kind of the anti-Motown. Because Motown is having all of these hits at the same time, too. But Motown is two and four, like clap, 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 clap. There's a tambourine smashed into the mix so you can hear with a clap. And it's definitely soul music for the masses, right? It's soul music for people who don't know where the beat is, who maybe can't dance, the vocals are incredibly well enunciated. Um, the vocals are pushed way out in the front of the mix. And then the band is kind of this thing in the background. And there is wonderful Motown music. But it is, it's a little antiseptic. It's a little um, stylized so that a huge audience. And Stax has none of that. Stax Volt sounds only like them. And every song, one after another, after another, after another, after another sounds like the same place played by the same guys because it is the house band is at stacks i did did you know ben that duck dunn is not the original bassist of booker t and the mgs no way who is yeah a guy named louis steinberg is the original bassist for booker t and the mgs and he quits in 1965 he's on green onions he's on a whole bunch of hits um and i love it louis steinberg is raised baptist in Memphis. And I don't, I want to know the story of how the Steinbergs found their way to the Baptist congregation. But, uh, yeah. but what's amazing about this band is it's, it's a 14 year old, when it starts as a 14 year old church organist named Booker T. Jones and three of his friends, the drummer Al Jackson Jr., 
guitar player named Steve Cropper and Louis Steinberg, who becomes Donald Duck Dunn. It's an integrated band, two black guys and two white guys in a city that is defined by racial segregation, racial unrest. Um, and they find a way to make this glorious, like Southern soul music. If Motown is right on top of the beat, like that, 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 Al Jackson Jr. is playing just behind. He's playing the way you play music in a city that's really, really muggy and hot and everybody wants to dance, but they also want to stay cool. And the snare drum is always just a little bit behind the beat. Bum, 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 bum. So all the songs feel a tiny bit slower than they actually are. And he has this unbelievable fat backbeat. These guys are in no hurry and they're so economical. There's just every note of every instrument pops out of a Stax Fultz single. Like they're barely playing and then they're playing like the like the world's coming to an end and then they know how to leave space for each other. It's the most spectacularly long relationship between four musicians that's that got recorded in the 60s. Like just one perfect backing track up after another behind a series of just unforgettable singers, which is what you guys are going to cover. But when you listen to all these singers, there's a part of you, even if you're a casual music fan, it's like, well, there's something really similar about this. And it's this spectacular band, Booker T and the MGs, one of the all-time great rock combos. And I am just an absolute slobbering super fan of these guys. I know these songs so well. I listen to them at such a formative moment. You know, you're 21 years old and you just graduated from college. Like, I know how to play like deep, deep, deep cut B-sides from the Stax catalog because I spent the whole summer listening to them. But I'm going to play... Um, a little bit of one of my favorite Booker T grooves, and you'll hear everything that makes the band great. Just the the perf the perfect economy of the beat, the way the instruments leave space for one another, the way they mesh with one another. Um, there are several great Booker T instrumentals that charted. Green Onions is the most famous by far, but I'm going to play Hip Hugger, which, um, depending on the day, I might like even a little bit more. So... Here's my salute to Memphis, the one of, if not the greatest uh, studio band in rock history, definitely in the conversation. Here we go. That's a good time in that studio. I mean, yeah, that that's good. That's so good. You know that I like do like that better than Green Onion. I do yeah. like yeah. Green Onion. The the emptiness of it. Yes. Yeah. I say they don't do anything. 
They do now, nothing. It's just like they're each playing the tiniest <laughs> little thing. Yeah. You know, oh. it's like you can almost see they're barely moving. Like do 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 and it pre it it un it's 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 funk music before there's a term for funk music because oh. the yeah. space the yeah. space is what makes funk music so powerful. Like the meters don't happen without without Booker T and the MGs, and they're not playing funk music yet because it, it beats too straight to call it funk music. But it, all of the elements of space and and uh, and uh, you know attack and release that make yeah, funk music totally. so fabulous Amazing. are all in here. And also just the sheer balls of them to just keep recording these random instrumentals with no That's singer. Fantastic. fantastic. Have you ever heard have you ever heard their their Beatles cover record? It's called it's called Macklemore Avenue because that's the street that the studio is on. And <laughs> the picture is them walking across the Macklemore <laughs> cover of Abbey Road. And they do these just skeletal, super restrained versions of Beatles tunes. It's it's totally crazy. That's uh, amazing. I'm um, getting that. So the uh, the Soul Finger by the Barkays is a great like comparison point to this. Uh -huh. So Soul Finger is also an instrumental, except for the part where they yell Soul, Soul Finger. Finger over and over <laughs> again, which is fantastic. Um, but that's so much busier and livelier. And they're Memphis too, right? Yeah. The Barkays? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. That, that whole scene, so badass, so super likable. Um, so yeah, first time I went to Memphis, Tennessee... 1991 driving across the country with my brother and i have my id and he's got my old id and that's how we're going into bars while we're going across <laughs> the so we we hit beale street and we go in and we're hanging out at the bb king place uh which is like a you know mixed mixed race but mostly white people hanging out listening to blues uh we band finishes up i'm like let's get out on the street the whole street's closed down. We go out and it's one of the first times back since back in high school in Brooklyn where I was like just surrounded by African American people. Like it was just a sea of, yeah. of black people and just my brother and I wandering around amongst them. And we had a freaking ball, just an absolute ball. And I was like, oh, Beale Street's all right with me now forever. Um, then I've, I've been to I've been there for work. I stayed at the Peabody for work. That's where the TBA meets when they're in Memphis. Um, and I've and I've gone there to speak at University of Memphis, too uh it's a tough town um it's i think it's making some progress but obviously the last six months in memphis haven't been great i mean the freaking police murder was there yeah um, right entirely african-american squad killing another black person just like and india knows the mayor obviously um just unimaginably horrible um and then much less high stakes but also kind of weird is like the memphis grizzlies stuff yeah um, Six months ago, the Grizzlies are the darlings of the yep. NBA. So this is a the professional basketball team in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, typically, everybody goes to L.A. or Phoenix to train. They all stayed in Memphis for the summer. They all hung out and played together. They're all at John Morant, who's the, the star player's house, all summer long. And it was like a total amazing feel-good story. And then John Morant's on Instagram with a gun. And it turns out that he got in a couple of fights at his house. And now all of a sudden, this great story, they just turn it around to this really horrible story as if like they're just thugs in Memphis. And it's like a little bit of a story about Memphis itself. Um, the University of Tennessee tries really hard to draw from all three parts of the state. And so we try really, I've got had a shit ton of students from Memphis. Um, so mm -hmm. I've really gotten to go to town that way. And uh, in discussing this with some of the African-American students I know from Memphis, they're like, Memphis versus everybody, everybody versus Memphis. Like, that's exactly where they're at with it. Huh. Like, there's real uh, 
tension of the place and tension with the town. Um, but the history there, all that they've accomplished there, I mean, FedEx is there. Like, it's a really amazing yeah. blend of different weird things. Um, and also to be the biggest city in the Memphis, in the, in the Delta, you know what I mean? Like to, to think about the slavery that happened down there, where all that wealth came from, where the mm -hmm. Peabody was built from, all of that. Uh, it's a really, really, really complex, super likable town. Unbelievable barbecue. So good. So good. So good. Um, went there with my family, took them to Stacks. That was the that was the one place that I was like that we're seeing that for sure bar none girls absolutely loved it uh, because we started our 50 years of music in 1969 we did not get a chance to talk about the great Otis Redding let's go let's Born go outside Macon Georgia has to drop out of school and he's 15 to work as a ditch digger because his dad's got tuberculosis Ugh. also trying to make it in music. And the early years of Otis Redding are so unbelievably hilarious. The 18 different bands that he travels with and all of like the talent shows that he's winning, like he wins $5 and his family could eat that week because of uh, the talent show. Um, he's on what they called the Chitlin circuit. That's what yeah. he's playing there. Uh, first with a band called Patty Cake, which I loved. <laughs> and then more uh, hopefully with Johnny Jenkins and the Pine Toppers. So Johnny Jenkins is the guitarist and he's the star of the band and he's the named act. And they've got, and there's a great picture of them where Johnny Jenkins is up front looking like Chuck Berry, just tearing it up on the guitar. And Otis Redding is like back behind the bassist. Like they got the singer <laughs> in the back while Johnny <laughs> Jenkins is the star. Um, there's an unbelievable song called Shout Bama Lama. That's just Otis Redding screaming over two and a half minutes of Johnny Jenkins playing guitar. Johnny Jenkins uh, either has lost his license or doesn't have a license. So um, Otis Redding is the singer in the band and he carries the equipment and he's driving Johnny Jenkins around. He's all, <laughs> Johnny Jenkins introduces him to people as his valet. And so, by the way, this is a little bit of a digital underground Tupac situation. Like this guy, Johnny Jenkins, <laughs> has Otis Redding in his band working for him working for him and does not recognize what he has uh they johnny jenkins gets a tryout at stacks so of course he can't drive so otis drives him <laughs> the studio johnny jenkins uses up is a surly jerk he's arguing with the, the owner of stacks the, and the producer oh they no two hours of studio time they finish at 90 he's done the studio guy's like, well, what are we going to do? We got 30 minutes of studio time. Otis Redding's like, I know some songs. I know some songs. Hey, let's go. <laughs> so they cut two songs in 1962. I can't remember the name of the first one, but the guy, it, the Otis Redding started out as a huge Little Richard fan. And the owner of Stacks was like, that's just a Little Richard song. We can't, we can't do that. Do you have anything else? And he's like, yeah. These These arms, arms, arms. Arms. 1962. <laughs> 1962 yep. he just lays that out that's going to be my selection like uh there's an amazing story of springsteen getting signed where he gets brought into cbs records and he's like you know he's been he's got the world's greatest band he's like when can i come in to bring the band the guy's like no you don't get to bring your band you're gonna come in by yourself with a guitar no overdubs you're just gonna play all your songs straight up into the mic wow cut four songs and they're each better than the last it's one of the all-time most clutch performances a live performance you know what i mean like everything is on the line for this guy and he just nails it and that's if if not equal to it or above it is otis redding banging out these arms of mine this is one shot it's just this is one... the wait the song i know was the tryout yes. song yes 
Yes. Holy smokes. And, and I, I'm, I'm, Jeff will know, maybe know better than I do. I think they released it. I think he oh, like, yeah. put it like, in that half an hour and they just put it out. No rehearsals, just boom. Yeah. He, he doesn't even know he's going to record. No, no. He's Holy literally smokes. driving another guy around. <laughs> That's why he's there. And I mean, it is one of the most epic entrances introductions of a voice in music history because when the band hits mine with him good lord you ready let's do it these arms are mine I can't even stop listening. I to that. know, oh, right? So fantastic! And I mean, so just to have him like that be the first thing that he records. So unbelievably good. As long as we're here, and I'm sure Jeff will back me on this. There's three different, really, really, really exceptionally good live recordings of Otis Redding. Oh, um, yeah. And some of them are, the, the first one's a really funny story. So 62 year records of this. They send them up to the Apollo Theater in 1963. And they say, we're going to Atlantic Records is going to sign you. You're going to get to play on this mixed group of, of uh, African-American artists playing at the Apollo live. We're going to pay you $400 a week. And he's like, $400 a week? Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> Let's Unbelievable. Go. He shows up at the Apollo and he doesn't get to bring it to a band. So it's, it's the, it's, it, he, goes, he goes in and he's like, I can't believe it. Where's my $400? And they're like, I don't know. Listen, um, it's $400 for the week for you to play, but you have to pay for the sheet music. And the sheet music is $450. What? <laughs> $50 on the deal. Oh. <laughs> ben E. King is the lead, the biggest guy there. And Otis is crying to him about how he doesn't have any money. He can't even pay the $50. He can't get the sheet music. He can't play the, can't play the music. And Ben E. King gives him $100 and floats him. And he makes it through to the recording. Uh, okay. <laughs> then there's the um, 1966 Whiskey A Go-Go. Yes. And Otis is not the only person doing this, but he's one of the first... African-American soul people to really be reaching out to a white audience. So he goes and plays yeah. at a rock club in LA. And how many nights does he do? Three nights, four he nights? Does, he does three nights, but he does three shows on three nights. So it's nine yeah. sets, nine yeah. 40. Oh, and, wow. Um, Jeff hit me too. They, I mean, first they released just a single album of it, then more from it. And then now they've released everything. And it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Peak of his power. So good. Okay. So good. The band is so unbelievably tight. He's counting things off, like randomly in between songs. There's eight-minute <laughs> versions of songs. Super yeah. extra mega awesome. 
And then the Monterey Pop, 1967. And he's just cresting into really worldwide fame before he dies in a plane accident. Like just, I mean, you make the argument that like for as famous as Hendrix said is at Monterey, like Otis is toe to toe with him. I mean, that's that's the shake from live at Monterey is just really great. Just listen to people screaming shake back at him. It's really unbelievable. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, and the try a little tenderness. Oh, like, uh, the racism these people face, the freaking producers, the owners of the track, Try a Little Tenderness, tried to not let Otis release it. They didn't yeah. want to have a, a African-American version of that song. It had been oh. sung by King Cosby or something. So they were like, we've already got the definitive one. <laughs> like, you have ears. Oh, yeah? You oh, have yeah? ears, people. <laughs> Do you want to yeah. try The me? thing that's amazing about <laughs> Otis is phrasing, right? It's not just that voice. That voice is so undeniable. And it's like, it's funny, like, I can't define masculinity that isn't toxic like like i'm not gonna bat a thousand on that but there's something about otis's voice so unbelievably masculine without being like an asshole like yeah otis redding is like there's it's one of the most masculine voices i've ever heard that would probably just be like and what can i do for you man do you need like a beer or like need a ride somewhere like it's just friendly at the same time but it's just so undeniably strong and the phrasing if you listen to the backing track of These Arms of Mine, it actually sounds simple. Like, it's like like weirdly simple. Like, that pink, 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 pink. But you have to, because he's floating all over. These arms of mine. He's such a brilliant singer around the beat. Even though, like, Try the Little Tenor is the same thing. Before the band comes in, he is all over the place, which is why the 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 drum has to be like because mm. i mean you wouldn't even the and that's the beauty of it is the mgs were like this guy needs a bed to improv over and we're not going to get in his way and we're not going to yeah. beat around on him and we're not going to pull focus i mean if you listen to, to otis's version of respect it's hilarious how driving it is i mean it's just like it's like being hit in the face for two and a half minutes. It's like, uh, uh, what you want? Huh? You got it. It's amazingly different. It's a, it's not even recognizable as the same song, but it's just, but it's, I kind of think it's equally fantastic. Like those are just two fantastic versions of that tune. So awesome. He's the greatest. He's, a, I mean, he might be my all time, all time lead vocalist. This well, is great. Wow. I, that's a bold statement right there. I, uh, I I too had Otis, uh, Ben. I love. I I was pulling all these mental gymnastics to justify it in my head. Like, how am I gonna? Because he's he's from Georgia, but I'm gonna suddenly place him in Memphis. Uh, but you did all the work for me. Nice job. Thank you. Oh yeah, uh, no. I, mean, I think it's it may not be all of them, but I mean the bulk of the stuff is recorded in Memphis. I mean, yeah, yeah, oh, right. yeah all of it. Right, right, yeah, right. Listeners haven't heard uh, Tramp. By Otis Redding. That's so fun. And Carla Thomas. Don't forget Carla Carla Thomas Thomas is on there. Brilliant Carla Thomas. So the other thing about the Arms of Mine is it stacks his first. It's the that's the track that gets them the distribution deal with Atlantic. Really? They're just stacks records. And then they put out that and Ahmet Erdogan is like, what the hell is that? And then they get the whole (laughs) they become stacks vault and they get the whole distribution thing. And because it only hit before. These arms of mine is walking the dog by oh uh, dude by Carla's, the crown prince of dance Carla yes, by Carla's dad, dad Rufus, Rufus Thomas. Thomas. by the way if you haven't seen a video of Rufus Thomas doing walking the dog or you haven't heard the song walking the dog do yourself a favor and go <laughs> yeah don't walk run the best yeah 
It's the best. Actually, we'll pause. Just we'll wait for you. Go ahead and go listen to Watch Dog. <laughs> yeah, then come back. Then come and back. This is this is Rubis's daughter, Carla. I agree with you. This song is hilarious and great. Tramp. What you call me? Tramp. Well, you, did. you don't wear continental clothes or Stetson hats. But I'll tell you one doggone thing. It makes me feel good to know one thing. I know I'm alive. Papa two. Papa two. And I'm the child. Never you know. You know what, Otis? What? You're a country. That's all right. You straight from the Georgia woods. That's good. <laughs> I say that that's good all the time, and nobody I, that's good. Oh, yeah, I don't know too. if you do that too. But yeah. That like straight from the Georgia woods. That's good. <laughs> the conceited record. All the time is... when, when my kids are making fun of me, they're like, "You do this and that." I'll be like, "That's good." And that's I have good. No idea what I'm doing. <laughs> so um, Carla Thomas is uh, her dad is Rufus Thomas, and she goes to Tennessee State University and then gets a master's degree at Howard, all while she's settling settling in as a fantastic singer. And it's, and so the conceit of the record is that Otis Redding is like a country bumpkin, and she's the high class lady, and that's uh, what all the duets are about. So good. And this is the this is a gargantuan massive hit, but I, I'm pretty sure there's like two or three other songs that are this identical song on the record. Oh yeah, totally. Oh, they do like Tramp, and like still a Tramp. And that's the other thing I love about Rufus Thomas. He did like walking the dog, do the dog, mama, where's your dog? Oh I mean, yeah, totally. Hilarious. <laughs> when you own the nine CD box set of every single, you get and to every see all that stuff. Set, you get all of Rufus's attempts to get another hit single from dog. That's it's like so Shakespeare great. in love. We'll just, we'll just do a bit with the dog. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what sells. Uh, all right, gentlemen. It, it is it is nine oh six. I can't believe how much better I feel. I was in such a bad mood when we started this oh, podcast. I'm like, oh, all better. Thank well, you, friends. Nothing, nothing like uh, friends and Otis Redding to get us through. Um, real quick, NCAAs, have you been watching? I've yes. certainly been watching my Tennessee Volunteers. Very excited. And, and you said they were without their best, uh, one of their best players, right? Yeah, heart and soul of the team, Zakai Ziegler. Uh, Long Island slash Queens native Zakai Ziegler. Uh-huh. Uh, he's the leading assist man, not on the team, but in the entire SEC on a team with a terrible offense. And he blew out his knee. Oh, <laughs> so God. That's been a little bit problematic. The defense is still fantastic. Um, and they meant, you know, the defense was so, so like uh, smothering that they beat the first two guys pretty easily, including just humiliating Duke, which made me so happy. Woo! I, I, I forgot humiliating that Duke. I Although I would that. say that Ben is right, and he won't take credit for this, but I will I will tell him that he is right that the real problem of the tournament is that nobody can shoot. I'm watching so much bad offense. Like, I cannot believe what a clank fest. I watched you give me the other day that two wedgies within like a minute and a half. Like, Oh, the ball just got let's... stuck? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, let's get these, let's, let's get some shot doctors into some, yeah. some basketball gyms this summer. Like, it's really shocking how many wide open, like, well, like just like set, move up, and like there have been air balls. Like, yeah, there was hey, a clangy bang bang. There like, was a fast break. It was three on one, and the guard, you know, the 
the shooter goes to the corner and the guard pushes, 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 then dishes it out to the corner. The guy's wide open. He hit the side of the backboard. I was like, oh, man. Yeah, I mean, maybe should have gone with a layup there. Uh, it's amazing. The seating is not nearly as indicative. I mean, Purdue looked awful. FDU <laughs> beat them like, and Princeton, Princeton looks like they should have been a three seed. They, <laughs> oh, my God. They, both their games, they were not in doubt. That second round Princeton game, they were tougher. They out-rebounded them. They shot better. They were they were more muscular on the ball. I was just like, what the hell am I watching? Like, oh, it was they, amazing. They ran them out of the gym. Yeah. Ran them out of the gym. It was over with eight minutes left. I mean, I just couldn't even believe it. It was, Who, really, uh, it was pretty embarrassing, actually. Yeah. But ben, who's Tennessee back, got next? Steph Davis is like, you know, oh no, Jay Wright was like, you know that Ivy League basketball, like, don't sleep on it. I'm like, oh, <laughs> we're sleeping on Ivy League basketball. But a team with four losses in the Ivy League should not do that in the tournament to somebody else. Like, um, we, have, uh, we have Florida Atlantic Thursday okay. night. So, the, and we would like, it's a pretty fortunate draw, right? We got right, sure. nine playing 16 to play us. Florida Atlantic yeah. looks for real, though. They've yeah, only they've they pretty good losses and they're big yeah. and athletic. I was not uh super enthused. We're only a five and a half point favorite over them. So okay. But I think on the other side it's Michigan State, K State, maybe. Um on the okay. other side K State, of- by the way, my pick to win the whole thing. Is that oh, right? Really? I'm not rooting for K State. No way. Oh, that's I just watched, you you spooked me out of picking Tennessee because you're like, we lost our best player. It's horrible. Oh, it's horrible. Dude. I was gonna pick the balls all the way. You definitely should not have done that. I, we can lose any night. <laughs> Dahlia was like when the, uh, my daughter Dahlia, when we were talking about FAU versus FDU, she was like, "You must be really excited." I mean, we got a really good chance. I was like, "Dude, you've seen us, right? <laughs> we can <laughs> lose at any time, at any time." One of the reasons that we killed Duke is that our our uh, senior center from Finland, which I love, the Finnish assassin. Um, <laughs> randomly went nuts and hit like eight threes and scored twenty seven points. All of oh, a sudden, there you go. There high. you go. But that's not reproducible. I've watched this kid for four years. That will not happen again. Well, um, I cannot wait for a little more basketball this weekend. And uh, I think with our next podcast, it may be uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, because Clint Smith is coming to uh, speak to our students on Wednesday. He's going to come to my classes on Thursday. Uh, He's got a new book of poetry coming out next week. I figure... This is a prime uh, moment for his career to to come on to our podcast and and be the artist from New Orleans. That would be just fine with me. Hey, New Orleans not a big music town though. That's going to be a hard one. Yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. <laughs> What's going to be tough is he's an Arsenal fan, and and that's going to be difficult talking to him. I will say uh, you opened the show with a, a song by the Hold Steady, and I just want to say that my my new single is dedicated to Craig oh. Finn. The hold steady. Yes. Listeners, if any of you know Craig Finn, will you please get my single in his hands? Because I'm dying to know what he thinks of it. And so far, uh, my attempts to um, bug him on social media have been unsuccessful. Uh, you know who knows him is uh, Brian Compliment. So I will um, I'll, I'll, make, I'll make sure Brian hears your song and maybe he could get it to Craig. Sweet. That would be great. Dig it. Look at us. Things All happen. Right. All right, guys, have a great week. Well done, my uh, brothers. See you down the road. Yep. Peace. Thanks, friends. That was great. All right. Bye. Bye.
Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electricast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electricast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electricast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electricast.